Hello and welcome to On Mike. I'm Jordan Rich, producing this podcast today from my home studio under these strange, unsettling circumstances. The date is March 30th, 2020. And the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, as we record this, is in full swing with most of the entire world shut down. I did want to present some of the podcast guests taped previously to offer up entertainment, food for thought, and yes, inspiration. As you know, this podcast is all about creativity, expression, the joy of performance, with as much heart and soul as I can muster. Today, I present a terrific example of fortitude, perseverance, understanding, and humanity. He's a longtime friend, Pastor Lauren Decker, author of the book Soul Chaser, Devotions to Anchor the Soul. Lauren's pastor of Lifehouse Church in Middleborough. We go back a long way. He's a steadying voice anytime. But right about now, I think we can all use some soul anchoring. So, Pastor Lauren Decker, let's go on, Mike. It's early 2020, and you're a podcast star. Can you believe it? Well, before we get rolling too far along into what you're up to now, you, you've got a lot of radio in your background. Can you talk a little bit about where you all started in the in the broadcast biz and how that took off for you? Yeah, radio has changed so much, hasn't it? But when I started, it was back um, almost 40 years ago, I'm afraid to say. But um, I was looking for work, and I, I stumbled on a job in a newspaper in, on Cape Cod, thought I was going to be an associate editor, but then a, a gentleman came to my father's church who was representing a ministry, a radio ministry, called Songtime USA with John DeBryan. And he mm. was very interesting, he had a, a great story to tell, and I approached him afterwards and told him I had interest in radio. I actually had done a little FM local broadcast on my college campus mm-hmm. that was um, under the radar, but... We, we, we consider ourselves radio pirates. Had a lot of fun with it. But I told him I was interested in radio. He said, come up and see the studio. So I did, and they, they offered me a job. And I, I thought it was more interesting than the newspaper business. So I, I said, sure. And I, I started my radio career dubbing cassette tapes. Remember them? Oh, yes, those little suckers. I remember those. They're coming back, I yeah, hear. And, <laughs> yeah, and I um, had reel-to-reel tapes that I made copies of, too, mm-hmm. and sent them to stations all around the country. And... At night, I was, I'd stay there after after hours and just play with the radio board and just taught myself how to use it and um, made tapes and made DJ and mm. um, just really got used to the, the seat behind the console. And I, I was there one day working when, when a, a story broke in the Christian news media about Chuck Colson and Eldridge Cleaver and the, uh, the regular engineer wasn't there, so... They, they said, what are we going to do? we got to get an interview. we got to get this story. I said, I'll do it. I was a journalism <laughs> major in college. I know what I'm doing. So sure. I, uh, I jumped in behind the board and got the story, and Dr. DeBrian was very pleased and said, hire the kid. It's great. So, uh, Serendipity is, is so true. Uh, I'll, I'll invoke God's name in this as well, because I'm a believer in my own right. Uh, I think there's a reason for everything. And y- y- your family business, though, it- it's kind of interesting. Uh, Dad was a pastor. And uh, did you did you have inklings at that time that you'd follow in his footsteps as a man of the cloth or, or was still radio and journalism your thing? Radio and journalism was my thing. I, I, I used to have people say to me, you're going to grow up to be a, a preacher like your dad. I'd say, no way. <laughs> I thought the ministry looked a lot like herding cats. I get your meaning there, Lauren. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the podcast. Then I want to jump back to your own personal history because you as a human being, and I've known you for 
40 years. Your work defines you and you define the work. Uh, Soul Chaser is a great book. I read it and then I was pleased to do a review and it's called uh, Devotions to Anchor the Soul. It's not your first work, but it's very special. Tell us why. It's my um, favorite thing that I've written because it has so much personal stuff in it that I've been learning over the years and I've learned about God and I've learned about his ways of showing up in unexpected places. And I, um, I just penned some stories that I, I'm a big believer in storytelling. I, mm-hmm. I think that Jesus taught with stories and it was good enough for him. It's good enough for me, but he, um, he had a knack for the parable and I, I found that in my pastorate, and I became a pastor later in life. That, that's part of the story. But I found that people would remember the stories I told much more than the doctrine I taught. So I, I always try to tie in a fanciful story or mm. a, a, a humorous anecdote. And people would call me weeks later and say, remember that story you told? And I'd say, yeah. And you do too, obviously. So stories <laughs> are powerful. They really are. Yeah. They're part of our fabric. Our lives are stories. They have a beginning and an ending and an like Elvis Costello said, every day we write the book. Well, there's an arc to stories that people are quite comfortable with. It's how we pass down lore and education and, and learning and all that. But what I love about the book is that it's so relatable. I'm not a Christian, but I can relate to almost every story because it's human stories. Mm, yeah. it's. Uh, I, I feasted on Lake Wobegon and Garrison Keillor. <laughs> All those stories, and I used to marvel at his, his creative energy and just the beauty of the stories he unraveled from, from that mythical place. And I I just uh, thought I, I should try that, and um, uh, the outcome was, was really special. It, it's my, it's my, um, it's my, uh, it's, it's wonderful to have it because it's for my kids, and it's, it's, um, always going to be there mm. to remind them what was important to dad and what dad learned and what dad loved. And, and, um, mm. it, it's, uh, it's very special. You're right. It's a very special book. So cool now that you've taken the chapters in the book and have launched this podcast referred to as soul chaser. You can find it anywhere. And we were just talking prior to coming on the air and how amazing this medium is because you're reaching a lot of people with the book. A lot of folks have read it and will read it, but the possibilities of hitting countries halfway across the world instantly don't arise until you become a podcaster. What have you discovered about this medium? Podcasting is, is really it's really cool. It's, I, I was reluctantly kicking it my feet and dragged, and I was dragged into it by my wife, who has a, a podcast of her own, which is very successful, um, organizing for change. She mm-hmm. speaks to coalitions and coalition members about organizing change in your community for the better. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she, she soon hit all 50 states in 40, 45 or 50 countries. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. She's, she's just naturally very good. So, but I, 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 I thought this is a good medium. This is a good way to get stories out because this is the way people listen now. They, they do books on audio and they do life is so hectic that you, if you get five minutes in your car to, that's a story, and it's a, it's a great benefit. So I, I put the podcast out on the airways, not expecting much, but um, over this past year, we've, we've had thousands of downloads, and and some of them in places like Vietnam and Singapore and mm. the Philippines and Germany and Ireland and 
and most of the 50 states have tuned in and um it's it's just thrilling it's um i have guests host occasionally and you've been one of them jordan thank you very much i think you did another one you did a marvelous job on a story for me and my editor jim deering who used to work on nova and um pbs he uh he, re- he reads some of them and my wife mm-hmm. has read some and it's um it's just a collection of of real heartfelt stories that blesses people and and the whole point is it's a story with a purpose and the purpose is to have you look for the the divine and the ordinary and um i can be sitting having breakfast with my my two small boys and um it just happened to say one thing and that triggers Mm. something in my head and uh, my heart and i i just put it down on paper and it it ends up being relatable as you said people identify and they say yeah that's that's how I feel about that. It's, it's, it's so easy to be cynical with all of the public cynicism out there and, and forget about social media. But it's really uh, interesting and, and inspiring to think that people are thirsty. And I don't think they're any thirstier now than they were a thousand years ago. But they're thirsty for stories that uh, enliven us, that embolden us, that give us hope. I, I think that's what you're doing with this series. Hope is a rare commodity in this day and age, isn't it? It certainly is, and what describe the word for me? Devotions to uh, to anchor the soul. What does a devotion mean in your estimation? Well, it's a it's a term that I grew up with. My my mom and dad told me to always have my devotions when I went to bed, and um, it meant private, quiet time with just you and God. And, and the Bible is the only book you read that has the author looking over your shoulder while you read it. But, um, <laughs> That's very well put. Very well it's, put. Um, it's a chance to, to um, enter into a private, quiet place that just you and, and God operate in, and, and you you can read from his manual, and you can hear his voice, and you can feel the love that he has for you. And it's, um, it causes your soul to be devotional, or devotioned, if that's a word, I don't think it is, but we'll make it up. Sure. Uh, devoted, how about that? Devoted to the Lord. Mm, and yeah. um, he's got a better plan for my life than I do, and that's one thing I've learned over the last 62 years, that um, even when I think that I know what I'm doing, if I yield to him, he, he knows better, and he leads me on a, on a good path. And I, uh, I find that path to be narrow, but... Mm. Um, we're staying on. I know you personally quite well over the years, and I know you're not opposed to sharing a bit about your own life, but I remember years and years ago when we were youngsters, <laughs> young pups, uh, you were in a yeah. horrific auto accident crossing, I think, Route 9, and you were clipped and really, really banged up. And at the time, we didn't know if you'd be around uh, years later to speak with. And uh, other issues, including, uh, well, what, what many Americans and many people around the world are faced with, uh, Parkinson's. These are yeah. trials and tribulations. None of us escape these, but how has being the person you are and, and living the life you led helped you through these these challenges? Well, I, I think that having Parkinson's, he's my, new, um, my new associate, uh, he, he greets me in the morning and walks with me to the kitchen and uh, fumbles my fingers while I'm trying to open the coffee can. And, mm. uh, he's, he's just, um, he's ever present. And I, I've learned to live with him a little bit, but I don't appreciate his company, but it's, um, I believe that God trips away 
our independence um, over time. I said to my wife, he's killing me. And she said, yeah, he is. He, he, he's, he's, um, he's doing away with my, my, inter- my, my selfish mm. independence and, and teach me to be a child of his. And I, I, um, I had a illustration yesterday occur. I'll tell you a little story. I, I was in the church preaching and, um, a little, little baby, a little girl who's, well, she's a year plus now, but she's a toddler and she, she saw her father, uh, my friend Chris on the other side of the auditorium and she, she got down from her chair. She was sitting in the front row and she walked across the front of the church mm-hmm. and timidly, um, in front of the speakers that were blaring music at the time and, and she just had her eyes on her, on her father and she was making progress as she walked across the front area of the, of the auditorium and she got to her dad and she put her arms up and he was he was standing uh, by the doorway and she he just picked her up and she crawled up into his arms and he held her and I said stop and look at that folks um, mm-hmm. that's that's the confidence that she had and her dad she she approached him knowing that she got through the, the tangle of people and the mess of the audio system and the, everything else involved mm. she, she just kept her eyes on him and when she got there she knew she'd be welcome oh i love that story do you approach god that way uh, that, that, that was a, a is this the same chris that's talked about on the podcast uh Okay. Can you just tell a little bit about his story? Because of all the podcasts, I just picked out a few to ask you about. That was one of them, uh, Chris's story. Yeah, one of my favorite stories. Chris um, was a young man in Middleborough that I, I knew as a 12, 13-year-old, actually probably 10-year-old when I first met him. But he was um, in church every week weekend with his mother, and um, he loved to sing the hymns. He had a beautiful singing voice, and he... Um, had a Bible that was given to him by a, a well-meaning parishioner. The body looked like he could use a Bible, and it was a red-letter edition, and it was had gold on the edges of the papers. It just a, he, he cherished that. But he'd sit up in his room and just read his Bible, and he just loved God. And but he um, he had a problem. His, his dad was uh, alcoholic and was um, violent often when he came home. And, Chris would just wait for him to come home and know that the explosion would occur. And um, he would take it as long as he could, but then he'd rush down and try to get between his mother and father. And his father would turn his aggression on Chris and beat him. And Chris would take it. He'd say, is that all you got, tough guy? Well, you're tougher than that, aren't you, big guy? And he would, he would just take the punches from his father. And um, he... He went. He, I saw him at a ball field one one day, and he had a huge shiner under his eye and a big black eye. And I said, what "Happened to you, buddy?" And he said, "Oh, Mister Decker, I got to take care of things, you know." I figured he'd been in a scrap with some kid in town, and so I said, "You can't settle things with your fist, buddy. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta work them out." And he said, "I got to do what I got to do, Mister Decker." And he. He walked off, and never did I ever imagine that he had gotten that black eye from standing between his parents and taking a punch for his mother. He um he was kicked out of the 
choir, he joined the, the youth choir at church, but he was kicked out by the director who said, we can't have your swollen face in our in our choir because people will be disturbed by that. We don't encourage fisticuffs here. We, when, it, when it gets better, you come back and see me, but until then, you're going to stay away. And he was very discouraged. Uh, a well-meaning friend of the pastor sent Chris to summer camp, a Bible camp. And um, he went away for a week, and it was a glorious week. He, he was out of, the, out of the town, the city. He was in the country. He was free to roam, and he just loved it. And he, he, he was quick to make some friends, and he was fun up from the waterfront one day, and... Um, he he gotten into a scrap with one of the kids over over a bunk bed, and um, he wasn't one to back down. So the kid, who was a veteran of many summers at the camp, pushed Chris around a little bit and said, "That's my bed. You can't have it." And so Chris slept on a top bunk across the cabin, and the, 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 somebody called the director and said that they're fighting over a bed. And he he came and immediately thought Chris would be the troublemaker, and he he said. Um, have none of that stuff around here. I've heard about you. Uh, they told me that you were in fights back home and you had kicked out of the choir. So you better watch your step around here, buddy, because I, I, I've looked into your background. I know your dad's a no-good drunk, and you're probably going to be just like him when you get, get older. Hmm. That crushed Chris's spirit. And he, um, he ran and headed for the interstate thumbed his way home some 7,500 miles and made up a story to tell his mother and headed for the church. He didn't know why he was going to the church, but he just got there. He sat outside the church in the dirt and cried and picked up a rock and threw it at the church and it bounced off. And so did he. I visited him in prison when he was 19 years old and um, brought him a, a King James Bible with red letters and leather cover and gold gilding on the edges of the paper. And I I can add to the story now of Jordan and tell you very pleasantly and pleased that he um he's every, every he's in church every week and um has grown to love the, the parishioners of our church and this is a little girl who walked across the front of the church and um mm. Chris is a great illustration of redemption and that's the business we're in. We're, we're all in need of grace, and he needed grace, and I need grace, and you need grace, and God offers grace, and, and that's that's pretty much what I write about, grace, the grace of God to show himself to us. You were kind to share that story, and it's on a podcast that folks can find at Soul Chaser. Just Google search that or get the uh, the podcast app, which is the easiest way to do it, and download the Soul Chaser app as a regular feature. You know, I was thinking about uh, an exercise that I had once. The question was, of all the senses, the five senses, you know, taste, touch, smell, hearing, sight— what is the one you would not want to lose if, if all else was taken away? And my answer has always been the same. I would not want to lose the sense of hearing. By hearing, and I want to segue to listening, you know, my life is enriched. And I think the fact that you, what you're doing is is communicating in the new way, as well as at the pulpit, as well as on the page, you're, you're doing something that's affecting people. Do you get that sense that people are listening these days? Yeah, I believe that God 
speaks to us. Um, this uh, psalm it says, day after day, the heavens pour forth speech. And I think that God is constantly revealing himself. But I think that's what makes our, our faith in Jehovah God, which I know you and I both share. Um, it, it's the different aspect of, of that faith that is different from any other religion that I know of. And that is that we don't aspire to reach God through ordinance or ceremony or or ritual rite. We we uh, we can't approach God because He's He's too majestic, He's too awesome, He's too holy, He's unapproachable. So God uh, stooped low and, and reaches us. He 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 took on the form of a man, and Jesus. He um, He constantly reveals Himself through nature, and um, He just is there. And he He He's the revealer. We're we're the we're the ones that get the benefit of the revelation. I think people should be listening all the time, and I think we're we're, we're crowded out with noise of politics and, and smarmy attitudes that you hear coming out of Washington now and, and on the campaign trail. And it, it taints us. It causes us to be cynical. It, it just um, causes us to to lose hope and to lose perspective. But I think that if we listen to the right things and tune our ears to uh, truth and Really seek it. Um, it's there, mm, and well said. you hear it, and it changes who you are. Well and, said. Well said. Uh, I want to talk for a brief moment about your church because uh, if people go to this website, lifehousechurchne for New England dot com, first of all, you you won't even know it's a church at first. That web page, uh, <laughs> it looks like an all encompassing great place to live and hang out and and be happy and joy and talk a little bit about the mission and the the essence of your church it's a lot of joy thank you joy is a we have a, a byline or a mission statement that says we're a genuine expression of god's love and that's um that's our calling that's our that's our our shingle on the roof or uh, shingle on the doorway that says come in and you'll be loved and i think um love is is short supply genuine love is in short supply and it's day and age, and I think people are selfish. They, they look to take... Um, I, I counsel a lot of teens and young adults, and I, they all, they're all looking for relationships, and I, I say, yeah, but you're looking for what you can get out of a relationship. You're looking for someone to fulfill you. Why don't you be the person that you're trying to um, find and change your perspective, and don't be so self-centered, and look for what you can give to this, this a person and not what you can get from them. And um, our, our great president, John F. Kennedy, said that about our country. Don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Well, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty germane to our situation. It's, um, we, we need to ask every day, what can I do to benefit my world, to benefit my kids, to benefit my wife? What can I do to, to um, make a difference? And I think that if we listen, we'll hear guidance that we didn't expect to hear. and we, our, our soul will become less cluttered and... Uh, the soul chaser himself will will show up, and, and mm. um, I think if you ask anybody to to put their head on their pillow at night and say, "God, if you're real, I really want to know you." I've never heard that prayer go unanswered. And um, he speaks, and we should listen. And uh, the Book of James and the New Testament says everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Ah, uh. <laughs> pretty, pretty good way to live. 
I think I'll uh, think I'll take that to the bank, as they say. By the way, uh, spending time at the soul level, I love that phrase. It just means everything. As you say, Lauren, uh, with all the hectic day-to-day stuff that is so part of who we are, we need that respite. And it should be more than a respite. It should be part of our daily lives. So people can find the book, Soul Chaser, Devotions to Anchor the Soul, with an anchor on the cover anywhere, right? Amazon, etc. They can also find more about the church at LifehouseChurchNewEngland.com. And if you're smart, you will download and make it a regular subscription to Soul Chaser, the podcast. Uh, By the way, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be part of it every single episode. (laughs) I do the intro. Great job with the intro for me, Jordan. I I love it. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. At least I can do it for all the fun we've had together over the years. Come on. Well, listen, God bless you and everybody around you, and uh, thank you, man. It's it's a pleasure, and I wish more and more people discovering you as they should. I think it'll be a better world. Thank you, Lauren, as always. George, you're a good friend. I appreciate you a great, great, great deal, and I thank you for this time. God bless you. Pastor Lauren Decker, author of Soul Chaser, Devotions to Anchor the Soul. And don't forget to subscribe and download to the podcast based on the book called Soul Chaser. On Mike with Jordan Rich is produced by Chart Productions with great help from Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media. I just want to take this present moment in March of 2020 to wish all of you safety and good health through this pandemic. That is a moment in history calling us to be strong. So as I always end my podcasts, I'll say it this way. Be well, especially now, so you can do good. Till next time, this is Jordan saying take care.